This is Luke Walton Talks Lakers. I'm Jonathan Gilly, and joining us as always from our studio in Los Angeles, it's Loke. Loke. <laughs> the one and only Loke Walton. <laughs> Loke Cooch Walton. I'm Luke Coach Walton. I'm joined here with Jonathan Gilly. I want to thank all of our followers, everybody that's been checking out this pod, and uh, especially our Instagram followers. We've been picking up a lot of people on there, really active. If you want to follow us over there, it's at Luke Walton Talks Lakers, LukeWaltonTalksLakers.com, and uh, check us out on the rest of our social media, um, Luke Walton Talks Lakers on Facebook and Luke Walton Laker on Twitter. That one's actually the funniest because that's the one that I'm getting the most confused for being the actual Lakers coach, and I'm just rolling with it. I'm, I'm, I'm hitting people back with lineup advice. Some people are responding to me, I cannot believe that the Los Angeles Lakers coach is... <laughs> maybe, maybe you should start referring to yourself as Loke Walton. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I might well, start... My people might get, a, get the hint that it's not really you. Well, if anyone's uh, confused, I am... My name is actually Luke Walton, but I am not the head coach of the Lakers. I am simply Luke Coach Walton. That's how we're going to differentiate it here. But we do know what we're talking about. So we're going to roll through the Lakers, uh, check out what they've been up to for uh, this regular season so far and how they are evolving. Um, so let's start off with a segment that we like to call Coach's Corner. Oh boy, Luke Walton. He's going to get a technical. Luke Walton is, he may get tossed. Luke Walton is So here in Coach's Corner, I want to talk a little bit about this game that we just played against Detroit um, and what we're starting to see out of this offense. So for the first few games, we kind of saw a lot of just general read offense and a lot of guys that didn't really look like they were getting into a set. Maybe they would try a screen, get the first or second option going, and then just play one-on-one ball or trying to improvise. But in this Detroit game, we started to see an actual semblance of what Luke Walton's uh, offensive game plan looks to be. And I'm really intrigued by it. And I I think that it really helped out, especially that first unit, because the first unit we've been seeing has has been terrible offensively. We've been waiting for the second unit to come in and basically save us every single game. And we've also been seeing some movement from the wings where we're, we're spreading everybody out, including Brooke Lopez, waiting for a cut. And then once the cut happens, everyone rotates around towards the weak side. And so it's kind of like, a quasi triangle where if you start watching these these players and you see the cut happen you'll notice that there will be a triangle of one player down at the baseline for the three another player rotating around towards that corner three and then the rest of the team transitioning so that we can wrap the ball back around like a guy like Lonzo and it also sets us up for rebounds so we saw more tip ends in this game than we're generally used to and that really plays to a game like somebody like Larry Nance Jr. Yeah, no, definitely noticed that from Larry last night. That was Coach's Corner. Coach, definitely uh, appreciate the breakdown there. What do you think uh, is sort of the the cause of, like, um, formation of, like, actual offense that we saw last night? Like, what do you think, why do you think it took this long? Well, I think the it? majority of their time has been spent on defense, and we've seen the defensive efficiency of this team just skyrocket compared to last year. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to cover that in a second. And so I think that they're finally moving on from defense a little bit and starting to focus on the oh like this team 
has made huge improvements in what the coaching staff has looked for, and they knew that they could play offense. They knew that was in them. All of these guys, that's the reason why they came into the league. That's the reason why they're great young players. They're fast. They're, they can hit shots. And so now I think that we're just changing gears. We're, we're taking that defensive mind and moving forward now and actually starting to work on some more in-depth offensive sets. And things like triangle-based offenses are really difficult. I mean, I, I played some of that when I was playing in high school. I know, big deal. But uh, it, it, it was a uh, very cerebral type of basketball. And I think that combining that Reed-style offense, that Reed offense that the Warriors play, along with that Phil Jackson kind of triangle mentality, that's going to take a while for it to sink in. And I think that Luke wanted to make sure that these guys were able to play D before he really dove in to uh, perfecting that offense. And uh, we'll see how that ends up how that ends up progressing because hopefully over the course of the next several practices, we're going to start to see different offensive sets. And luckily, a lot of teams aren't going to have film on it. So we might come out of the gate and really surprise some guys. Um, the other thing I was thinking about is, you know, this team really wasn't complete during the preseason. Mm. And we really didn't get to see um, like a lot of minutes from our from our real starters because Lonzo had his ankle injury and um, you know Bogut didn't play most of it and even Brooke missed a couple games because of like a, I think a back spasm mm-hmm. if memory serves me correctly so I think even that like we didn't really have a true preseason for our starters and so um, well obviously these you know seven games um, you know we've played some good games in these in these first seven. Um, I think some of this is just kind of like giving these guys an honest preseason, to be, Absolutely. To be honest. And, and we're seeing the growth of Brandon Ingram. And I, that's he's the key to our whole starting unit. You know, if, if, if he's not hitting his outside shot, if he's not aggressively cutting to the rim, we have no hope of our starting unit being balanced, especially with a guy like Larry Nance out there. You know, he's, he's primarily a defensive rebounding and tip-in guy, and we need floor spacing and so we started to see we saw some step back threes from Lonzo we saw some aggressive cutting and and aggressive shot taking by Ingram uh so and 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 some Brooke Lopez too so I think that that starting unit is going to get a flow and it's going to make guys like Larry Nance look better I know he's been getting a lot of hate because people want Randall in that starting lineup but I I like the idea of us having a strong defensive unit to start off games and being able to hit them with a scoring punch off the bench but the real key to that whole thing is just getting the shot to fall. And KCP, you know, it, you've, you've been seeing that he's he's working into the flow now. And like you said, we didn't see him in those first two games. We didn't get a real preseason. And so these guys are still feeling each other out. And he's a really smart basketball player. So you mentioned the kind of Randall fervor that's bubbling up right now. I guess t- two things. One, I, I, one, I think I, I generally agree with, with your take there. Um, what do you think has been the difference in Randall in these last few games? Because it's it's been noticeable. I mean, he he is not the same player that he was in the first, I guess, two or three games. So, what do you think the cause of that is? I think I think we got to credit Luke Walton here. He's adopting some of the Phil Jackson. He's calling Randall out in the media. He's benching him. He's using the power of the coach to get under his skin a little bit. And the biggest problem with Randall that we've been seeing uh, his entire short career has been his his mentality. He's a great ball player when he wants to show up. And I think that Luke Walton is basically saying, like, your feet's to the fire, man. And I don't I don't think he's saying it from a place of, so I want to get rid of you. I think he's honestly saying, like, I want you to be our guy. Uh, I also think that this might be a more natural role for him, to be completely honest. I don't know if he's a starting power forward. Uh, it, it just might not be his role. I think he might be the first big guy off the bench, you know, a seventh man. 
and that might be a really effective role for him because he just destroys bench units. They don't know what to do with him. If energy and effort is the issue, then one potential solution to that is to limit his time on the floor. The catch there is that you have to make sure that the limited minutes that he's on the floor is giving you energy, right? But if, if he can't sustain you know, 28 minutes or 30 minutes of, of energy, if he can sustain like 18 or 19, right? then don't play him 32 minutes, right? Play him those 18 or 19 and then try to put a fire under him to really make the most of those minutes. Absolutely. And if he's able to give us a double-double efficiently in 19, 20 minutes, like, by all means, I, I think that that efficiency should be the name of the game for this team since we have so many options. We have so many guys at the four, and, and so we have all these wing players. They need to get their time, and if they can give us efficient minutes, that'll be everything. Yeah, and just, I think, you know, Every single one of these pods, we've called out Kyle Kuzma at some point, so we're just gonna do it again. Ooh. What a night for what a night for Kuz last night, man! I know his three point shot is starting to fall. It was like four of four. I know uh, it's pretty beautiful, and that that's the big thing with with Larry Nance is if Kuz improves his defense, his three point shot, and and you know starts fighting a little bit more for rebounds. Uh, he's. I think the four spots his. Yeah, at least at least the lion's share of those minutes for sure. Yeah, yeah. With that, we're going to move to our next segment. This is one of our favorite segments. We've uh, done it a few times now. Uh, we're going to move into he spoke it into existence. Our little time to talk about our favorite favorite Laker hype man, Lavar Ball. Well, I knew this was happening before it was happening, but I already knew what was coming to him. To say I told you something. I told you something. Lavar Ball this week took some time to give a crib-style tour of his new Chino Hills mansion. Man, we're getting bigger right now. This is how we're doing it, big ball of brand staff. This is a 16,000-square-foot home that he bought for $5.2 million in Chino Hills. The biggest this, place this in Chino Hills? Biggest place in Chino Hills. Best house in an 80-mile radius. And in typical LeVar style, this was just the weirdest house tour you could imagine. This house is seemingly endless hallways with great rooms at the end of those hallways and like none of the lighting works it's dark the whole time and there's a poor guy there's like some poor you know like local reporter with a cell phone trying to capture this and it's so dark the whole time the lighting the lighting's still light working red. on but they're gonna put some special stuff up there where they gotta see it to believe and and you know none of the rooms are furnished or finished it's this enormous house yet somehow like every time he rounds a corner there's like a different group of three generic people wearing big baller brand clothing hanging out in that room i'm dead serious no way it's so funny you got his whole squad yes hanging out yes. in the dark unfurnished yes his home house. is complete with an elevator oh damn it's a three-story house with an elevator. Elevator! Looks like, all right, get in there. Yeah, you know you got to have in there or no? up in the elevator, man. Get in the elevator? We're, we're almost done. We're going to... We got some action, man. Minutes. All right. Close it down. We want to go up or down? Uh, let's go up. We're going up. Let's go up. To the upper room. Let's go to the third floor. Sure. Right. We got to have an elevator in the meantime. We're going up and down these stairs. Everybody said, get your workout on. I don't want to get no workout on. You won't be lazy. I'm going to be lazy, and I'm going to use my elevator every day. And it's this tiny little elevator that he and this reporter get into. And the, the reporter gets so close that you notice that the big baller brand shirt uh -huh. that he is wearing is like blue glitter. Are their bellies touching? 
Dude, they might be. It's, it's, there's a non-zero chance that their bellies are touching. Yes, this is where they're getting down at. Did you ever think you'd have a place like this, Levon? No, I have a place like this. You did just not. couldn't wait. Oh, you think I didn't? You did not. Just think like you think the big ball of brand was gonna grow like this? And my favorite part is that then he takes he takes the reporter into like the West Wing, which is gonna be like Lonzo's wing. The West Wing. And it's like got like a uh, its own living room and kitchen and stuff. He takes him out onto a patio to show him the view of, I guess, like the the Chino Hills area and the valley below. And there's no railing on the porch. And he's like, "Don't don't walk out here too far. I don't want you to fall off." But look, don't step yeah, too far. Too, there ain't no rails. Yeah, you don't want me to go down. No, I ain't letting you go down. No, I just no. want you to know that you see this scenery right here. It is nice. Everybody got to look at the big it's ball up, house. It's up in the hills. Up in the hills. We all look real. The other thing I wanted to mention, and we can chat a little bit about this, is the last episode I, I, uh, I kind of, without any backup, mentioned that there was a way that LaMelo could enter the league as a, as a free agent. Uh, wanted to quickly give some some background to that and provide a brief explanation. I got two more boys. I got to come do the same thing two more years. So you're going to get them to the Lakers too. How? The big ball away. Ball control. All right. So uh, he, here's the explanation for how LaMelo could could come into the NBA as a free agency. This this is a, a an excerpt from a LakersNation.com article. Shout out Lakers Nation. We're big fans. So here it is. Quote, LeVar Ball explained to Baxter Holmes of ESPN how they would respond if LaMelo is declared ineligible by the NCAA, and his plan could actually help him wind up with the Lakers if he takes it far enough. Quote, We'll sit out a year or two, LeVar said. Just get stronger and faster, and then go into NBA training camp as a free agent. He already got the narrative. He can play. He can play. You see what he's doing at 15 and 16. Don't think that by the time he gets 17, 18, that he ain't going to be 10 times better than what he is now. And everybody says, oh, he got to gain more weight. Why? What you have to do is be strong. It ain't about the weight. It's about the strength. So should LaMelo be ineligible to play in college, he could simply sit out for a year after high school or play overseas, though LaVar has stressed they don't need him to do that, and then enter the 2020 draft and quote coach what do you think about the prophet's plan dude this guy is so bafflingly crazy and brilliant at the same time because could you imagine the star power if he had two of his sons on the lakers at the same time and have you seen those highlights of them playing together yeah well they have you know years of chemistry oh yeah absolutely but just like in 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 the their chino hills game when he was because he was able to finesse all three of his sons playing on the same team at the same time I, I mean, the dude works miracles. I, he literally speaks it into existence. I don't, I don't know how he, he keeps doing this. I, but I, I, I mean, it'd be brilliant because he and that, like, that's how you build a brand, man. If you, if you can save, if you can save Mello from having to go play for the Nets when they get their twenty twenty pick or what? <laughs> when, when do they even get their next first round pick? It's, it's like three more years. I'm uh, convinced they've just given it up for the next ten years. I, I, they could just fold him as a franchise. <laughs> take D'Lo with them yeah, they can just be like a snapchat brand but yeah if Melo ends up ends up on the Lakers and has good chemistry with Zoe and ends up playing at a you know top level and winning a championship with them they're they might end up having the biggest house within an 80 mile radius let's just say that I mean I'd, I'd believe it and 
And again, like this plan of like oddly releasing a shoe for your 16 year old son while he's still in high school, like it seems so ill-advised, but now when you think about kind of the larger plan, right? And the Mm -hmm. the grand scheme of things, Mm -hmm. it it, it makes sense, you know? And, and, and it, what it seems like is that everything that this family does is, is for the family, right? It's, it's like, it's not for individual success or individual glory. And it seems like, you know, he got lucky that his oldest son was good enough to go second in the NBA draft. And so now, like, it seems like LaMelo has no problem sacrificing some high school ball and maybe a year of college for the benefit of the big baller brand. It's, it's, it's remarkable. They got, they got plenty of money. And, and the thing with Melo, too, is he, he's buzzing on, on the gram. Like all these, (laughs) all these kids that are like the same age as him, like love the dude. Like he gets hashtagged and added like crazy on there, and he's he's perfectly positioned for that come up at the same time as you know those fifteen and sixteen year olds that are in love with him now are nineteen twenty getting into the NBA full on and have money to buy to buy some shoes and stuff like. I think he'll be able to trace those fans up for years since he already has such a strong base. Right. It's like he doesn't really he's, need any more publicity. Yeah. He's all good. I mean, they have their like ball in the family Facebook show too. So like the Facebook cash machine is just printing them money at this point now. It's, it's really remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he's going to get infinite screen time. Yes. And, and kind of like what you were saying, like his fan base is like this native social media group that was born with it and just like, knows nothing but it and he just works it so perfectly um all right well that was he spoke it into existence our uh hopefully pretty regular segment about lavar ball the ball family and all of their antics um so with that we want to move back into a segment that we debuted on our last episode the muse cage luke we got some great feedback from the fans on the muse cage i'm not actually kidding about that i, I was literally told by a person that they love the Muse Cage, so we're coming back with it. Thank you. Shout out Corey Botma back to the for, Muse Cage for shouting out the Muse Cage. Um, okay, so today in the Muse Cage, we want to jump into some team stats. Let me let me ask you, Luke. Let me get some quick quick guesses. Uh, offensive rating. What? Where do you think we? Where do you think we are after last like, night? I think we were like 11th or something like that. No? Way down. 28th. 28th. We're that low for offensive rating. We were 29th before last night, and we were 28th. Um, that should improve. Gosh, I'm trying to eat a muffin, and Kobe is just going crazy trying to get this muffin out of my hands. Kobe, stop, buddy. Kobe stop. is uh, the one that brings us the muse, muse cage, and he's also Jonathan's dog. That's true. Kobe's probably just mad that I didn't remind everyone that the muse cage is brought by by my puppy, Kobe. Kobe the dog. Um, okay, so that's offensive rating. Defensive rating. Where do you think we are defensive rating? Oh, we were pretty high. Thank this one jumped. This one did jump a couple spots after last night. All right, I'm mm-hmm. going to go sixth. Eighth? All right. Oh, no. See, I'm a homer. I'm always, <laughs> always hey, going to be high. It's okay, but, man, that's great. Last season, yeah. we were 29th. Well, isn't, isn't Golden State, like, 29th right now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the league's a little upside down right now. But, um, And then last one is pace. What do you think we are in pace? I think we were fourth. Yeah, so we're still fourth. That that held solid. But think, but look at this: twenty mm-hmm. eighth in offense, not great. Uh, defense eighth, pace fourth. Coach, 
What do you have to say about that? Well, it, once we start hitting shots, like we saw last night, if we're hitting shots, then we're, we're golden. This this team, I like. I know people are so scared to say playoffs, but... Lonzo Ball is going to take the Lakers to the playoffs his first year. Come see me when he does. I have another hat on to say I told you so. If we're able to contend with enough teams that play quick, yeah, we're going to lose to teams that are slower and have better interior defense like Utah. We're just going to lose those games. We're going to lose against the Pelicans. We're not built to contend with those guys. But I do think we can snag a few of them from some of the top Western uh, teams. I know that not everybody believes that, but I think against those quicker teams, <laughs> if we catch them sleeping, especially like the Rockets, that's, that's, I've been saying that all year, I think that we're going to go really well against the Rockets. I think we're going to get a lot of turnovers. And if we can, if we can do that, and pull it out against all those Eastern teams, I think that we can contend for that, that bottom seed, that eighth seed, with the defense. I think if we can maintain that level, uh, that's, that's a winning team to me. Yeah, my, my kind of initial read when I saw that was, I, I was really excited to see that. Because, you know, for the last few seasons, like we've, we've seen a team that can score a lot of points, but that just is just just like full of holes on defense and can't keep up. And so to me, it's like, I'm not worried about us scoring enough points down the stretch. I think, like you said, the team really hasn't been, the team hasn't had a great shooting percentage up until this point. Lonzo's still trying to figure the game out. We have new players playing together for the first time. We have like a lot of new players on this team. I'm not worried about the offense. I am so encouraged by the fact that, that this team that has only played seven professional games together uh, is, is playing defense the way they are. And there's a couple games where obviously they, they have not played great. But in general, like that's that's awesome to see because that's, I think, the harder piece of this um, to, to get right, right? That's like, again, you can put a lot of guys on the floor and they can figure out how to play offense together. Um, but getting guys to play defense together, like that's that's a real challenge. And so gotta gotta be really proud of, uh, of your namesake, Coach Luke Walton. For making that yeah, and, happen. And, and we're starting to see we're starting to see that rub off like just how we say that Lonzo's passing ability is contagious defense is contagious as well and we're seeing guys like like JR like Julius Randle who is blocking shots he's able to sub in at the five now that's awesome be able to switch small ball and then since we have so many wing players we're able to rotate really well on defense and so if you can't fight over a screen the switch works often and so we're, we're, we're hustling, we're reading passing lanes. I think part of that too is because we're a, more of a pass first team, we're able to recognize where the passing lanes are a little bit more. And we have, we've got guys like KCP that are able to bite and finish. Uh, and, and those turnovers that we're getting, last year a lot of the times we'd get a turnover, it wouldn't turn into anything. But now we're pushing the pace so much that turnovers are leading to points. I think we were like second in the league or something in terms of converted turnovers. So. I, I'm I'm really really happy about how this defense is leading to offense and is starting to ignite this team because we got to play fast we got to have a high transition offense and all of that comes from a team defensive strategy. Yep, totally totally with you. So I want to jump into a couple of the things that actually make up these numbers. So um, if uh, if anyone like uses Basketball Reference or things like that, these are coming from the team miscellaneous section. Um, so I want to talk about some places, uh, some interesting numbers here. So, uh, in terms of strength of schedule so far, um, granted, this is these numbers are not perfect because it's still so early in the season, and because we have lost a number of games with big margins, these numbers are kind of skewed. Um, 
right? Like if you if if a lot of if you're a bad team, which we're not, but if you're a bad team and you lose a lot of games, your strength of schedule is going to look great because the because the margins of victory of of the teams you're playing against are going to be higher as a result of having played you, right? Especially this early in the season. But strength of schedule, where do, where do you think we are in terms of the league? Uh, pretty high so uh, far. Maybe number two. We we are number one. Wow. We have the number one had, strength of schedule. Oh we've we've played the hardest schedule so far in the league this year. Amazing. Now, granted, like th- that's skewed because we've lost some of these games, mm-hmm. but still, that's that's got to be an encouraging stat to see that the team is playing the way it is against these you know types of opponents. One thing though that I would caution about: we've had a lot of home games. Yes. So a lot of these players, especially young players, perform better at home. Once we hit the road, we could see some guys, maybe even Kyle Kuzma, start to drop a little bit. But who knows? I mean, we've seen in our very limited limited sample size, Lonzo Ball is really good on the road. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully that keeps up. Um, one game. Okay, so a couple other numbers here. Um, I want to talk about our free throw attempt rate and our three-point attempt rate. So our, our free throw attempt rate, which is the number of free throw attempts per field goal attempt is currently uh, 0.243. So essentially, um, a quarter of the time we shoot a free throw, uh, excuse me, we shoot a field goal, we're, we're, we're getting to the line. So that puts us 21st in the league. I don't know about you, Coach, but that's something that I think this team needs to continue to work on, is, is getting to the line, forcing those, uh, those free throws. Because when you see these elite teams at the end of the season, like this is a, a big part of how they close out these games. Definitely. And that's a big. That's a big reason why Kobe's the greatest basketball player of all time. He was able to draw. Uh, I'll say. I love it. I'm not afraid. I love it. Um, so the the currently the team that has the the highest uh, uh, free throw uh, attempt number in the league um, is the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, which is which is why they have the best. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, We're gonna lose so badly against them. They're the exact team that we do not. And get this, play. they they are averaging right now. Their their free throw attempt rate is 0.359 uh, free throw attempts per field goal. That's because they can slow the game down and just grind it out with Mark Gasol and Conley. Like yeah, 36 percent of the time they shoot a field goal. They Amazing. they get to the line. That's nuts and and you know who else doesn't want to match up against them in the playoffs golden state i mean the grizzlies gave them a real hard time a couple years ago it's been a you know it's been a while since we've seen a competitive um warrior series kind of except for maybe the thunder two seasons ago but yeah the grizzlies gave them a run for it i think three or four years ago it was a it was an exciting series do you think that swaggy p is infecting uh golden state's defense and that's the reason why they've been slipping so much on the defensive end and losing games i don't know man i mean i think we've been like asking this question for a while of like you know can you can you continue kind of just like subbing in and out these support players right these bench guys like you know they um like the except for the except for four of their starters this team looks very different than the first championship that they than it did the, the year they won their first championship and i think if you think about like if you compare their their bench players and their role players in that first season to their bench players and their role players now their guys right now are young and they are like 
kind of kooky, right? They're like, it's like JaVale McGee and Nick Young. So it's like young guys and it's like kind of weird guys, like kind of pulling their careers back together. And uh, when you think about that first season, it was more like savvy guys, older vets trying to, to win championships. Um, you know, people like, like Sean Livingston, right? Who, who, who had it not been for a gruesome knee injury would have been, you know, starting point guard on, on a, on a good team. So I just think, um, I'm at some point, like you hit a tipping point, I think there, right. Where like those things start to affect your team. I don't know if we're seeing that. I still think that they're the most likely team to win the championship this year. They'll, they'll get it together. But, but I, I think we're starting to, to maybe see Steve Kerr and Bob Myers getting a little too close to the edge and a little too arrogant in terms of just thinking we can bring anyone in. And I, and, and they'll and fit I don't, the culture. I don't know if this is a popular opinion. I don't like the rookie Jordan Bell. <laughs> I don't. I don't like him. Jordan Bell with a PER of over thirty currently. Uh, I don't know. I'm j- I think it's an aberration. I just I, I like watching him on defense, watching his his IQ. I don't know. I don't love him. I don't love him. Like he's he's good at put putbacks. They they set him up a lot for dunks and and you know he's a, he's a very athletic individual, but I just I I don't see it yet. And he he's been getting a little bit too minute too many minutes for what I think his his talent level and development is at. You know he's a he's a high second round uh, pick. So yeah, I mean um, he shouldn't he shouldn't be playing very much in the NBA. That's just my opinion. Yeah, the Warriors literally seem to give zero thought to like how this start of the season's going they're literally just throwing everyone out there I, I my roommate Pat's a warrior fan and, and I walked into the living room one day and he was watching and it was like it, it it was the strangest assortment of dudes on the court it made no sense um they just don't seem to care what their record is at this point which is so funny because two seasons ago it was like you know they're going for the record they're trying to beat 72 had that crazy undefeated streak it, it there I just I, you when you start to tinker too much you can really mess up a good thing, and and I, I don't think they've gotten too far yet. But man, are they close! Definitely. So just one more one more stat I wanna I wanna read you, and then we can we can step out of the muse cage. So one last thing to muse on: Where do you think the Lakers stand in terms of opponent free throws per field goal attempt? So the inverse of the stat we were just talking about, right? This is the number of free throws that we give up uh, per field goal attempt? I think it's a little too high. You think it's too high? Is it- we're the number one team in in opponent free throw uh, free throws per field attempt. No, 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 in a good way. We only allow fourteen percent, point one four three attempts. That's per so surprising. Field goal attempt. That's so surprising. See, because my my gut is like, okay, young team. They 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 give up some uh, some guys cut into the rim, and. That's that's very actually you know I've been watching Brandon Ingram has been a lot better in terms of giving up fouls, I think that's part of the reason why he's been more of a plus player uh, so far this year is he hasn't been fouling nearly like he did last year. Yeah, and I, I keep looking at like after the game you know I'll take a look at the box score and I, I keep thinking first and foremost like man the Lakers need to get to the line more. Then I look at the other team and I have been noticing like oh okay well the other team didn't actually get to the line very much either. So maybe we're playing in games where the refs just are like not really calling a lot of fouls, but I think there's something to it. And I, again, I think it's just another encouraging sign for the Shun team. Definitely. And I'd like to see what that figure looks like against the Grizzlies or so, like a team like that. You know, because <laughs> I, I think I think that we could see a wide swing. It might be style of play too. You know, we might be matching up against a team that that plays like we do, fast, 
you know, three, three point shot in rather than, you know, inside out. And if we play against the team with a dominant center, like, uh, like the Pelicans or, um, like the Grizzlies or even Utah, those are the teams that worry me most in terms of us giving up a lot of fouls, a lot of free throws and just slowing down the game, um, and losing them every time if we do that. Yep. All right. So this has been Muse Cage. We're going to move into our final segment here. We're just going to do a quick preview of um, of the rest of the week, the rest of the month. So, Luke, this week we've got three more games on tap. Uh, the Lakers are playing at Portland on Thursday night. Then we're playing. Then the Brooklyn Nets are coming to LA. Easy way. Playing here on Friday. Destroy them. I'm a little concerned just because it's a back to back. Like I would love us to destroy the Nets, and I think like. If all things are equal, we would. I'm a little nervous about us having to face him on a back-to-back. D'Angelo having that ice in his veins and just, like, blowing up for 40 points against us. And then all the talking heads are like, oh, the Lakers shouldn't have traded mm-hmm. him. But he's, he's going he's gonna to bring his same defensive intensity that he always does. Always does. <laughs> you, mean, you, mean, you mean no defensive <laughs> exactly. intensity? Exactly. Well, Lack of defensive intensity. I, I think what, what ultimately probably is going to end up happening is I think we're going to lose uh, against the Trailblazers. Um, especially this is our first road game in a while. I think that's going to be difficult. And I, but I think that that momentum is going to carry us in against the mm-hmm. Nets. And we're going to see another performance out of Alonzo. I think like when he scored 29 points against the Suns, he's, he's going to excel in that type of a defensive scheme because they're not going to pressure him that much. He's going to get a little bit more of a, a gap. And like we saw a little bit today, he's, he's got that step back three, you know, starting to fall again. And if he can get yeah. that going, you know, especially against a team that's as porous as the Nets, I think that, that that we'll be able to rebound. Even though it is a back-to-back, I think we're going to be okay. But the, the, the Portland game, uh, it, yeah. that sounds difficult. Like you said, we can guarantee there will be no defensive pressure on Lonzo from D'Angelo Russell in that game. We, so. we just got to do pick and roll against him. You know, switch him up on anybody yeah. we can. Cause. You know what I'd love is to see him up against Randall and just see Randall just running him down the lane. Just like just, the worst just, offensive just foul. Him. It'll totally be yes. an offensive foul, but I don't yes. care. <laughs> um, and then we finish out the week uh, with Memphis coming to town on Sunday. Right. Not, um, that'll not be excited. an interesting game to watch, but I'm, I'm not optimistic <laughs> about the chances. It'll, it'll give us good tape. It'll give us a lot of good film. Yeah, just there that. you go. Yep. That's, that's a good good way, good coach's uh, spin. Yeah, the teaching moment. <laughs> um, okay, so last, last thing is we just want to quickly go through the opponents that we're going to play this month. Today's November 1st, so just want to run through um, the rest of the teams that we're going to play. Uh, this month. So after those three games, so after Portland, Brooklyn, and Memphis, the rest of the opponents for this month are the Celtics, Wizards, Bucks, Suns, uh, 76ers, Suns. That's a nice little three-game trip there. Suns, Sixers, Suns. Uh, followed by the Nuggets, Bulls, Kings, Clippers, Warriors. So actually, there's a nice little chunk in there. Suns, Sixers, Suns, Nuggets, Bulls, Kings that actually I think we could probably do pretty well in. And then we end it with the Warriors. So, uh, quickly, some uh, some record predictions. So, would you like me to go first, or would you like to go first? I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it real quick. Uh, okay. Trailblazers take loss. It. Take the rock. Trailblazers loss. Uh, Nets win. Grizzlies loss. Mm, Celtics win. Always. Uh, <laughs> I think we're going to beat the Wizards again. I'd love to just <laughs> give it to John one more time. Bucks, we're going to lose. Giannis is going to 
dis- destroy us probably. Suns will win. 76ers will win. Suns again will win. <laughs> I think we'll probably lose to the Nuggets. Uh, Bulls could go either way. Might as well just give that into the loss column. Uh, Kings, I think we'll take it to them. Clippers will lose again. Warriors, mm, I'm going to say we win. Uh, so that's eight and six, if I counted on my fingers correctly. I think that's I think that's one too many games. One too many games. Um, I think that might be eight and five. Eight and five. Okay, yeah, that's what I said. Eight and five. Okay, okay. So I I with that I'm not gonna go through each of the teams, but but I looked through it. I think the team goes seven and six over this period, mm-hmm. which would be great. That would put us at ten and ten at the end of the month. So I think you have us at eleven, 11 and nine. nine. Um, I put us at ten and ten. Um, and I think that'd be great, either of those. For us to, to come out of November and be a 500 team or, or even better, um, I think that'd be great. I think, that, I think that it's doable, right? We've got that run in the middle of bad teams. Not bad teams, but less than great oh, teams. Come on. 76 Well, some of them are. Uh, 76ers and Suns are bad. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, Nuggets, Nuggets aren't a bad team. I still think we yeah. can pull that one yeah, out. Yeah. Um, the Kings, we, I think we should be able to, to pull that one out. So, Brook, uh, Brooklyn, I think we should be able to pull that one out. So, uh, there's enough like there's enough chances in here. There's enough good opportunities that I think we might be able to to, to come out of November with a winning record, um, and that would be so exciting, right? Just again, like to to give ourselves a chance and to to keep like giving fans a reason to keep watching team the team a reason to like keep pushing and striving. I just think I just think it'd be great. Definitely. Well, thank you guys for tuning in uh, to Luke Walton Talks Lakers here with Jonathan Gilly and myself, Luke Coach Walton. Please subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Podbean. Soon we're going to be on Stitcher, Spotify, all sorts of stuff. And also follow us, follow us on social media. And also follow us on social media. You can check out LukeWaltonTalksLakers.com for links to our Instagram, LukeWaltonTalksLakers, and to our Twitter, uh, LukeWaltonLakers on there. The next pod should be happening early next week, and we'll recap this week's games and whatever else happens in Lakerland. And plus, we'll be recording that one in person. That'll be our first. Yeah, it'll be Jonathan Guiley and Loke Coach Woolton in person for the first time for one of these which should be a ton of yep. fun from from san francisco which will be a little funny to be talking about the lakers from san francisco we'll probably be a little sore we're running a half marathon right so we'll be sore and and probably icing our knees talking basketball <laughs> <laughs>